Welcome back to Throne Hands. It's Jacob Janoski, per usual, and alongside me is, per usual, Danny Woods. Danny, how are you doing? Doing great, Jacob. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see I'm in a little bit of, bit of a different location. We've moved back into uh, my apartment as classes are getting ready to start. So things are gearing up for, for, the, for the school year, for us, us students here, us uh, members of the U92 radio station. That's how you're getting this podcast. So things are gearing up, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And we have a lot to talk about today, so we're just going to hop right into it. Daniel Rodriguez, a welterweight bout. Daniel Rodriguez versus Takashi Soto. Takashi Sato coming in uh, off a knockout. I don't remember against whom. Name is going against me, but hey, this guy's good. But we're going to talk about Danny Rodriguez first. What do you, what's your thoughts on Daniel Rodriguez? Uh, I mean, he's a guy that has come into the UFC with a lot of, a lot of oomph behind him, honestly. Uh, he was supposed to fight Kevin Holland. That was a fight that ended up getting canceled. Uh, because of some issues on Kevin Holland's end, but I mean, he's 12 and one as a professional. He's two and zero in the UFC. He had that fight against against Gabe Green uh, uh, back in May. That I was really impressed with him, able to carry that fight to a decision. He's a guy that had mostly finished people in the past, but you go back uh, even into his fights in Combate in Mexico. Uh, he's he's knocked people out with knees. He's got rear naked choke finishes. He's got a, a good mix of power and submission. Uh, but he showed in that Gabe Green fight that he can he can take on a challenge and and finish the fight. That was kind of what jumped off the page to me. Green, I think, took that fight on short notice and looked pretty impressive. Uh, but but Daniel Rodriguez was still able to dominate that fight and keep control of it for three rounds. Yeah, I mean Daniel Rodriguez, like you said, he he is a diverse arsenal when it comes to his finishing. Uh, he can he's very he's unrefined but extremely powerful but great. Great grappling, and he's very creative off his back. And Takashi uh, Soto, extremely refined striking. He's very patient. Judo black belt, he can get it done on the ground too, but he likes to keep it on the feet. Uh, like I said, likes that lead jab and a straight left. What are your thoughts on Takashi Soto? Yeah, he's a guy that, uh, like you said, very refined striker, uh, very strong judo. He can he can grapple with the best of them. He's he he's coached by uh, by Henry Hoof, so he's with. That Sanford MMA group that uh, the head wrestling coach there is Greg Jones, who is actually a former three-time national champion at WBU and is considered one of the best wrestling coaches in the world. So despite Sato being such a striking heavy guy, he clearly has been trained very well when it comes to grappling. And then you add in that judo background, he's really well-rounded. And he's coming off of a win. He knocked Jason Witt out back in June. And he had a loss to Bilal Muhammad before that, but he's won three of his last four fights, uh, including two of his first three in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing much else to add there. So on to keys. Uh, for uh, Daniel Rodriguez, I think it's use the fence. Don't let Takashi Sato get uh, free and use his refined striking and work off the back if you're knocked down. And I think Dan- D- Daniel can uh, take this if he does that. What do you think? 
I, I would agree with that. That's the way I would lean on this one. I think the dirtier this fight gets, the the better position Daniel Rodriguez is going to be in to win this one. I think, like you said, close the distance against uh, Takashi Sato and just get into the clinch, dirty it up. Honestly, what you would look for in – obviously, it's a different weight division and two different classes of fighters. But honestly, what you would probably look for in, in like a Daniel Cormier type of fight you know, drive him back up against the fence, keep this, keep this one in a clinch and control it that way. Yep. And I think for Sato, uh, uh, use patient striking and he can, if he sees an opening, he likes to bull rush you. And he, if he does that, I think he'll take the win. What do you have to say? I would agree with that. These guys are pretty much even in terms of reach. Rodriguez has a one inch reach advantage and they've got equal leg reaches. So I think if Sato can, like I said, the more this stays in the center of the octagon, the better bet he's going to have to win this. The more opportunities he's going to have to land strikes and do it cleanly is going to be where he finds an advantage. All right, predictions. I, I think I'm going to take Sato in this one. I think his patience and refined striking will pay off. What do you have to say? I like Daniel Rodriguez in this one. He's a guy with some momentum behind him, and he's a guy with a lot of versatile abilities, and he's proven that in the UFC. All right, so to the next matchup, uh, a light heavyweight bout, I do believe. Yes, I am correct. Uh, Marcin Procneo versus a Mike Rodriguez. Mike Rodriguez, a, a Dana White Contender Series uh, veteran. Uh, quite good, I must say. So, But we're going to start with Procneo. A uh, little rundown on him. Karate black belt, extremely refined striking, and he likes to pick his shots, and he, he hits hard. I don't think there's much else to add to that. What do you have to say? Yeah, there's not much else to go with it with uh, Procneo. He's, like you said, he's got a – bunch of power he's coming off back-to-back losses so he's going to be looking to get back in the right column here but he's a guy that before he came to the UFC had a lot of success in one championship and he's trying to get on the right track in the UFC all right so what are your thoughts on uh, Mike Rodriguez Uh, Mike Rodriguez like you said really impressive on the contender series Uh, a guy that maybe doesn't have the best record uh, at I believe 10 and 4 but he's knocked a bunch of people out that's that's the biggest thing. He's got eight knockouts out of his ten wins, two by submission. So he's never had a fight go to decision, and he's only been finished twice in his career. So he's a guy that brings a lot of power to the table. He's also a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so he can go a little bit on the ground. But his money is going to be made knocking people out. He obviously impressed with a flying knee finish in his contender series fight. Uh, and he's he's put people down in a lot of different ways. He's got a bunch of, like I said, a bunch of power with his punches. But then uh, December 2018 against Adam Milstead, he, he had a TKO with a knee to the body followed up by punches. So he's got a bunch of power, and he knows how to use it, and he knows how to find finishes in unique ways. Yeah, and this dude also has a crazy reach, 82 and a half inches, 7 foot, 10 and a half reach, and – 45 and a half inch leg reach. So this dude is all limbs. So if he keeps his distance, uh, on to Kiza, yes. If he keeps his distance and picks his shots, I think he has a pretty good chance of beating Procneo. What do you have to say? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Procneo is a guy that is going to have to get in tight against Mike Rodriguez. And if Rodriguez can keep him at a distance and stick him a couple times and kind of get him off balance and finish it from there, I think that's where he's going to find the most success. Yeah, and on to uh, Marcin Procneo, I believe personally his best thing would be to wait if Mike Rodriguez uh, goes wild and comes in because if you've seen his highlights, if you go anywhere close to Procneo, he'll just hit you with a head kick. So if he just has to be patient, chooses shots, and wait, if, and if, he come, if Mike Rodriguez comes close, the fight's over. What do you have to say? 
I think he, like you said, he needs to wait for Mike Rodriguez to make the mistake. He needs to let Mike Rodriguez be the one that makes the first mistake. And from there, he just needs to lay into him because that's honestly where I think he's going to have one of his only chances because it's going to be so hard to get in on somebody with a freakish reach like Rodriguez. I mean, he's coming in with an eight inch reach deficit. That's a big problem, especially at a, at a weight class like light heavyweight. All right. Uh, predictions. Who do you have? I'm taking Mike Rodriguez by knockout. Uh, I'll do the same. I believe an eight and a half inch reach advantage, just a little too much to overcome personally. So I'm going to take uh Mike Rodriguez as well. All right. To the co-main event of the evening, uh, OSP versus Alonzo Menafield, two former college football players. So uh, they're both uh, beasts, uh, so to say. But on to OSP's resume, uh, 24 and 14, 11 knockouts, eight submissions, very diverse uh, finishing game. He's fought the likes of Ben Rothwell, Dominic Reyes, Corey Anderson, John Jones, Marisa Hua, and uh, Ozdemir. And uh, kickboxing background, got into it after football, after he didn't make a football team, and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. What's your thoughts on uh, OSP? He's a guy that has been in this light heavyweight division forever. He made his UFC debut in 2013, and he's had some struggles as of late. He's lost four of his last six fights. But he's not looked bad in that time. He's a guy that obviously is getting up there in years. But we're only two years removed from him knocking Corey Anderson out with a head kick. So this is a guy that has a ton of experience. Like you said, he's a kickboxing uh, background. But he can get it done on the ground, too. He's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's won four fights with the Von Flew choke. That's kind of become his, his signature when the fight goes to the ground. So he's a well-rounded guy with a ton of experience that can stop just about anybody. Yeah, definitely. So what are your thoughts on Menafield? Alonzo Menafield's a younger guy, 32 years old, a Muay Thai background uh, for the most part. Like you said, he was a college football player, played in the Canadian League and the Arena League as well. Uh, got his start uh, in terms of mixed martial arts. He's fought in Bellator. Uh, he fought in LFA. He was on the Contender Series. Uh, didn't get a contract out of that. Had a couple more LFA fights and actually fought twice on the Contender Series. Uh, and got a contract off that second one. It rattled off back-to-back wins in 2019, uh, both by knockout. He's a guy with a ton of knockout power. Uh, eight of his nine wins have been by KO. He's also got a submission to his record. Uh, but then he, he got stopped by Devin Clark back in June. Uh, that was his first fight in almost a year. That was the first fight he's had that's gone to decision. And it was the first loss of his career. Uh, but he's a guy with, with some solid Muay Thai. He's a well-built guy. Obviously, you would expect that out of a former uh, out of a former college football player, uh, but he's a big bodied guy with a lot of power, a lot of muscle behind his strikes, and he knows how to knock people out. That's the biggest thing. If he, if he catches you flush with a punch, you're going down. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, likes two piece combo combos. He has, he's also very strong and he has fairly decent wrestling, so he can handle himself on the ground too. So keys, I think they're both fairly similar. I think who, uh, whomever the pace is controlled by in this fight is going to win this fight. Uh, that's really all I have to say. And OSP needs, uses uh, four-inch reach advantage on the feet and legs. What do you have to say? Yeah, it's going to be a matter of keeping distance for OSP and controlling this fight, stretching it out over three rounds, I think, is going to be his best bet. The longer this fight goes, I think the more of a chance he's going to have. Uh, and then for Menafield, I think – He's going to get, have to get inside that reach and land some big shots because that's where his bread is buttered most of the time with those punches in tight. So if 
if OSP is able to, to control the pace, like you said, uh, slow this one down a little bit and don't let Menafield get into his pocket and start throwing bombs, I think he's going to have the best chance here. But if Menafield uh, can make this fight a fight in a phone booth, it'll get ugly real quick. Yeah, definitely. All right, predictions. I think I'm going to take Menafield in this one. I feel like he, he has the mentality to go in and uh, close the distance against OSP. And I think he has the good enough chin to just not get knocked out when he uh, closes that distance. So I'm taking Menafield by knockout. What do you have to say? Yeah, I like Menafield as well by KO early. All right. So to the main event in the evening, uh, Pedro Munoz, number five, bantamweight contender versus uh, Frankie Edgar. First time, uh, I mean, this guy needs no introduction, but this is first time in the bantamweight division. He recently said that he believes he was always a bantamweight. What are your thoughts on Pedro Munoz? Uh, Pedro Munoz, a Brazilian, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, got a kind of a classic Brazilian background. Uh, but then you go into his record, he's also got four knockout wins, nine by submission. Uh, his last fight was uh, last June, so it's over a year layoff for him. But honestly, uh, there's not a lot of introduction that he needs. He's not necessarily beat all the top guys in this division, but, I mean, he's fought John Dodson and lost by split decision. He's he has a split decision loss to Jimmy Rivera. He's got a win over Cody Garbrandt. This is a guy that has competed with the best the bantamweight division has to offer, and he may not have come out on top every time, but he's legitimately a guy that, with the right combination of, uh, not necessarily, but if the fight goes his way, if if things break the right way for him, he can beat anybody in this division. I truly believe that. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Like uh, he did against Cody Garbrandt, he fought his fight and things broke his way, and he beat the number two contender as the number nine ranked guy. He, uh, I think he, his title shot comes up sometime in the next year. I, I think he's on a pretty good track right now. And yes, with American Top Team, he's he's putting in the work over there. So um, he's quite refined when he strikes. Now Frankie Edgar, the man needs no introduction, but we're going to talk about him anyway. Former lightweight champ, former featherweight uh, title uh, challenger, uh, Brazilian Jitsu black belt, Division One wrestling, and he has very quick striking. He's very good all around. Seven KOs, four knockouts. What do you have to say about Frankie Edgar? That's the thing. Like you said, he has he needs no introduction. He's fought everybody there is to fight. Honestly, this is his bantamweight debut. He's fought everybody there is to fight in on, in lightweight and featherweight at least uh, during his his peak in the UFC. He's coming to bantamweight now. He's coming off back-to-back losses, but I wouldn't read too much into that. He's a guy, like you said, wrestling background, four-time national qualifier at Clarion University. Uh, and then he's also a first-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he's Mark Henry's his boxing coach. Uh, he's uh, Henzo Gracie's one of his Brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches. This is a guy that has as much pedigree uh, in in combat sports as there are that you can find. This, he's got the best trainers in the world. He's a former champion. He's done it all. And he's moving to this Bantamweight division. And I think with the way we've seen his career go and the stamina that he possesses with 12 decision wins in his career, this could be a really good move for him. Definitely. All right. So on to keys. I think for for Pedro Munoz, uh, I think it's keep it standing and use the fence. I think Edgar's just too good at grappling, not to take away from Pedro Munoz's uh, grappling ability. He is quite good, but – with this comp, with Edgar's combination of wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think it would be in his best interest to make it into more of a kickboxing match. What do you have to say? I think that's probably the best bet. Obviously, Frankie Edgar is outstanding on the feet as well. You don't get to be a champion without being that well-rounded. But I think Pedro Munoz is going to have 
have to keep it on the feet, I should say, to win this one. That's going to be the best bet for him. And I think he can successfully do that. He's got the power uh, to, to be able to stick with Frankie Edgar on the feet. And I think he's refined enough to do it as well. Yeah, and for Frankie Edgar, I think if he fights this like the third time he fought uh, Gray Maynard, I think he'll win this fight. You know, strike, use striking to set up his takedowns and just be smart uh, with what he does. What do you have to say? I think that's going to be the thing as well. Use, like you said, use striking to set up takedowns. Pedro Munoz is not an easy guy to take down. He's got 81% takedown defense. So Edgar's definitely going to have to set that up properly to be able to get him to the ground because it's, it's not easy to do. And uh, Munoz isn't a guy that throws a lot of takedowns. He averages less than a takedown per 15 minutes. So he's definitely going to be trying to keep this on the feet. I think if Edgar uh, can set those up, like you said, with the striking, even throw in uh, some feints, some shots to the body to where Munoz is back on his heels and it looks like he's coming in with a body shot and then goes directly into a takedown like we saw Daniel Cormier try to do against Stipe Miocic. I think that's going to be, something that Frankie Edgar, Edgar can do successfully in this fight. For sure. All right, to predictions. You know, I believe Frankie Edgar, when he says he was supposed to be a bantamweight his whole career, he has had success at 5'6 at lightweight. I, I'm taking Frankie Edgar in this one, and don't be surprised if he becomes a champion the next year, year and a half. What do you have to say? I like Edgar in a decision as well. All right. So to some news, uh, Oh, Oscar De La Hoya. Was it De La Hoya that's coming back? Oscar De La Hoya, 47 years old. Coming back. He has nothing else to prove. (laughs) I don't understand it. Nor do I. Like, he's he's one of the best to ever box. But, like, there's – like we've said, there's nothing else he needs to prove. (laughs) He's that good. Uh, Do you have anything else? Uh, not really much news since we recorded yesterday with uh, Vince Pichel. We did uh, that interview and then followed that up with some news. There's not a lot else uh, breaking right now. I mean, there's a lot of guys reacting to uh, John Jones moving up to heavyweight and vacating the title. Uh, obviously, Johnny Walker's a guy that's been ridiculously vocal and hasn't always been able to back it up. But he's a guy that was on John Jones's radar just because of how much he talked. And Johnny Walker, of course, is now – said that uh, he he's rooting for John Jones moving up to heavyweight. That's not huge news, but Walker's a guy that I, I liked as a prospect. He's lost a little bit of that shine recently, but with the light heavyweight division opening up a little bit more, you never know. Yeah, I think I'm just, you know, I th- Anthony Smith says something on Hawani's podcast. He's, he's glad uh, that John Jones is moving up because, you know, he's held it for nine years now and nothing's really changed since he's held it. And he's just finally opening up the division. And we'll see when he moves to heavyweight um, what's going to happen. It's it's exciting stuff. So, I don't know. Anything else you want to mention? Well, the more that I read into this, Johnny Walker is actually saying he wants to move up to heavyweight at some point, which I don't know if that's the best bet for him. But he's a guy that had a lot of success early, has had a little bit of trouble at light heavyweight recently, maybe a, maybe a change of scenery. He's six foot six and fights at 205. So maybe maybe a step up would be the best bet for him. All right. So that'll be it for us right now. Uh, yeah, we're fighting, interviewing two LFA fighters, uh, first LFA guys coming on the show. So that'll be interesting coming up. Uh, we'll, they'll be up probably Monday and Tuesday or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Daniel, thanks for coming back on, man. Yes, sir. All right. And we'll see you guys next time.